You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Progressive Insurance, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Don't forget you can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. And it is Monday. That means it is time for Monday Night Football. Got the Monday Night Football preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Talking to Jeff Legwold, ESPN Broncos reporter. Jeff, uh, I'm not sure many of us know much about Nathaniel Hackett leading into this game. It's obviously his first game as head coach. What do you expect from the differences for what we should see from this team from a coaching standpoint? Well, you know, Nathaniel's made a a big point about talking about uh, how he wants to be aggressive, how he wants the team to have that mindset. Uh, And I think we'll, we'll probably see that reflected at some point and how he's, he's calling the game offensively. Uh, but he's, he's really staked a lot in this, uh, pointing everything toward the opener, you know, including the health of the team. He's, he's taken some minor sort of heat in the preseason because they didn't play any starters at, uh, at all, and that includes quarterback Russell Wilson. So, I think if for some reason tonight doesn't look very smooth or they have a lot of penalties, you know, I, I think that is a question uh, he will have to answer after all of this. But his general theme has been, you know, sort of ramping up the the enthusiasm, ramping up the uh, sort of the energy around the building, and that's that's been his mindset to the team throughout since he got hired. Well, if that does, in fact, happen tonight, they won't be alone. We saw a lot of week one revisiting whether or not preseason snaps would have been a good idea. Uh, Jeff, how much do we know about Russell and his ability to dictate what he wants to do in this offense? Obviously, that was a big part of the split with the Seahawks. Do you know if there were conversations coming in about the autonomy that he would want and how much Russ is going to get to cook when he wants? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, that's been a big a big thing, you know, sort of the private rumblings uh, in, from Seattle about Russell have been, you know, he just got to be too much to deal with. And I think Hackett has, has made it a point to say from the start, you know, and here's this is a guy that was Aaron Rodgers' offensive coordinator the last three seasons. So uh, he's made it a point to say that if you're going to have an elite top-level quarterback, you're going to have to give them some say in what they're doing at some point. Uh, but he's he's tried to make it clear there is a line, you know, he, that he's the, the coach and the play caller and that he will discuss any and all decisions during the week with Wilson so that they're on the same page. And I, I think he sort of made that his point, that if he and Wilson talk enough and are honest enough, with each other that there won't be an issue that they would be on the same play page and and nobody has to sort of be in charge of that but uh i think that is a question you know they they want wilson to get the ball out more quickly than he has in the past at times and and i think to me that'll be the benchmark of of how they're doing together is is wilson leaving the pocket before he has to and and if he's not doing that i think it shows they they are indeed on the same page and that it's working. So, Jeff, for a second here, let's take Russell Wilson and that conversation and put it to the side. Outside of that, what's the biggest thing you're looking for tonight to give you an indication of how good this team could be? Well, you know, this is uh, at its root, this is a Mike Shanahan sort of playbook, and that 
that in, that needs play action. Uh, that needs a running game that makes play action a legitimate threat. Uh, and they were pretty craptastic uh, running the ball in the preseason with the backups in. So uh, they've been selling this. Uh, it'll be better once the starters are in, and, and but it's going to have to be. And I think especially tonight, if they're going to sort of get everybody calmed down from the whole Russell Wilson's back in Seattle thing, I think early on in the game they've got to run the ball with some effectiveness and then and then get to those play action things so they can get those plays down the field they want. Hey, last quick question for you as we wrap up here, Jeff. Uh, what is the realistic expectation for this team? Ex- expectations were super high through the roof when the announcement of, of Russ happened, but I think they've come down a bit looking around at the rest of this division. What do you actually think is realistic to hope for? I think it's realistic they're in a playoff conversation, you know, if that's a wild card or whatever. But, uh, you know, I've said that they're going to be better, and they are better. 1-53, to they're a lot better at quarterback than they than they have been since Peyton was healthy in 2014. Uh, they're a lot better in many ways, but, you know, until you beat the Chiefs at some point, and they haven't beat the Chiefs since 2015, uh, it's hard for me to sort of let the expectations roll along. They've, they've got to perform in the division to make it all work. But I think if they avoid a few significant injuries, including one to Wilson, I think this is a, a wild card playoff worthy team right at the moment. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Legwold. As always, Jeff, we appreciate your time. Enjoy the game tonight. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. That'll give us one side of the matchup. We're going to get the other side of the matchup now. Uh, and we'll do that by hanging out with Mike Salk, the host of the Mike Salk Show on Seattle Sports Station. Uh, follow him on Twitter at the Mike Salk. Mike, uh, what's the reception going to be like from Seahawks fans tonight for us when he comes into this game? Well, we don't know 100% for sure. This isn't Philadelphia, right? This isn't <laughs> Boston or New York. I mean, it's just not the same kind of a sports town with that same kind of energy. That being said, I think I'd still expect Russ to feel a a pretty hearty sense of being booed uh, for a couple of reasons. One, he deserves it. Two, I think that, you know, he did a couple of uh, videos for Sue Bird on her retirement and fans at the Seattle Storm game managed to give it a hearty booing. So I would think that will, will, yeah, I know, right? That's not something you necessarily expect. And then uh, third is what, you know, we have Joe Buck on our show this week, who's going to be doing the game tonight. And Joe said that he believed Russ would actually be affected by it. Maybe not for the whole 60 minutes, but at the beginning, that he just won't quite be ready for these fans to turn on him like that. And I think I agree with Joe. So you put all three of those things together, and while there'll probably be some scattered cheers, I think he gets, for the most part, booed pretty hard tonight. Mike, what do we expect from Gino? Because uh, it's pretty easy to boo him if you immediately realize this ain't the Russ Wilson era anymore and you're pretty sad about it no matter how mad you are at Russ. Yeah, that'd be mean, though. I mean, like, well, Gino didn't do anything <laughs> to deserve being booed on the field. I mean, he's had some off-the-field issues that maybe are, are worth it. And I don't think anybody expects Gino Smith to be Russell Wilson. What Pete wants is for Gino to just not make a lot of mistakes, right? Just keep the game going. And, you know, I think that's why he chose Gino over Drew Locke, who obviously has more upside, but made significantly more mistakes during the course of training camp and the preseason. 
And Pete just doesn't want them to turn the ball over where I think the problem comes. I think Gino can do that for 55 minutes. He's capable. He's not incompetent. But I don't see him have that same ability like Russ had for all those years here to to pull off any kind of wizardry in the last five minutes, which, let's face it, most NFL games come down to what the quarterbacks do in the final few minutes, and you either got one who can do it or you don't. So how? what are your reasonable expectations for this Seahawks team this year? You know, I, we, we still have to see them, and I don't want to judge anything off of week one, right, because we all know week one is strange and weird things happen. It's not always indicative of the rest of the season. I, I think we saw that a lot of the teams that didn't play their starters at all during the preseason mm. looked like it yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. They looked like they were still getting their feet wet, whether it was the Rams on Thursday night or the Niners yesterday, or the Packers. And the Seahawks did a little bit. So they may have a little advantage early in this season, including tonight against Russ. Because remember, the Broncos, they not only didn't you know, play their starters during the preseason games, they barely even practiced with pads. And quite frankly, it was their quarterback, it sounds like, who was doing most of the leading while their coach took a back seat and essentially reports up like a sycophant to Russ. So you know, I think that may be a help for the Seahawks to start. Over the course of this year, look, you know, could they pull off seven or eight wins? I suppose that's possible. And maybe what we saw this weekend was indicative of a, an NFC West that's not as good as it was supposed to be. But I think at the end of the day, this is probably a you know, five, six-win team. And next year, they got a pretty good shot at having a, a quarterback that they really like moving forward. Talking to Mike Salk, host of the Mike Salk Show on Seattle Sports Station Let's say they do surprise people. They finish better than expected. What needs to go right? What happens that maybe could happen a little ahead of schedule? Well, it's a Pete Carroll-led team, right? So that means probably two things. It means Geno Smith doesn't kill you, obviously, and that's almost a given. And then it means their running game with their two young tackles. They draft two rookies uh, who are both going to start tonight. It means that offensive line is creating such huge holes for Rashad Penny and eventually Ken Walker that they're really able to move the ball on the ground and allow Gino to just use play action and not put much of the burden on him. And then it means that a defense that has really laid dormant for the last couple of years comes to life, right? I mean, when you think of the, you know, the Seattle Seahawks from 2013, 14, et cetera, it's Bobby Wagner, Richard Sherman, you know, that KJ Wright and, and the entirety, you know, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. We haven't seen that for the last few years. Some of it, Pete will tell you, is because when they tried to open things up for us to allow him to throw for enough yards to reach his desire of, of trying to become an MVP, it hurt the defense. And when Pete scaled back what they were doing, it did help the defense each time. So he believes in complimentary football. They're going to have to be a lot better at it than they've been the last few years. Be sure to check out the Mike Salk Show on Seattle Sports Station. Also, follow him on Twitter at the Mike Salk. Mike, appreciate your time. Enjoy the game tonight, my friend. Anytime. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm going over there right now. Don't forget, y'all, you can get renter's insurance to protect the things that make your place a home, including coverage for theft or damage. Just visit Progressive.com. Is there more of an overreaction period than the Monday after week one of the NFL season We'll sift through some of the best and worst takes of the day next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Monday Night Football is underway. The Boo Birds out and in charge loudly 
making sure that Russ knows that he's not uh, he's not loved. Let's just say it that way. Uh, absolutely loudly uh, greeting him as he ran onto the field, Sarah. I, I think we expected a little of that. It still seemed weird uh, to actually see that take place. And so far, we're very early in the first Seahawks with the ball, but Geno Smith, perfect three for three for 33 yards. So look at that. Geno saying, Russ, who early on in this game? Yeah, it was a little weird. Kind of like how just until about two seconds ago, you sounded like a robot, but now oh, you're cool. yourself. Wow. Uh, it was very uh, automatic sounding. Uh, looked like an AI version of Fitz was bringing us back into the show. Um, now, I'm torn on this. I understand the frustration of Seahawks fans. And we talked to Mike Salk. He certainly didn't uh, mince any words about Russ deserving those boos. But as a fan of a team who hasn't won a Super Bowl in a really long time and who's never had a quarterback throw for 4,000 yards, I'm kind of like, hey, man, he did some really good stuff for you. And the team was also looking to get rid of him. But um, I get it. I get it. You know, it's a kind of situation where they boo him now. And if they bring him back when his career's over, it'll be nothing but cheers and signs. Well, I think booing Russ feels like a bit of a hot take to me, although you know, maybe for Seahawks fans, you've got some good reasoning behind it. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Let me know why you think that that's the right thing to do. I would love to hear from the side of Seahawks fans on why they're out on them. But in the meantime, we've got, speaking of takes, we've got good takes and hot takes to start breaking down. Boom! Hot take! Hot take! It's time to rate the takes of the day. Are they good takes? The season is over. <laughs> I mean, one game in. Or hot takes. This is why I called out and said Kirk Cousins is going to be the MVP. It's good take, hot take on Spain and Fitz. We got so many of them to get to. We're going to start focused just on the Cowboys for a second here. Sarah, as you know, the Cowboys getting their butts whooped by Tampa Bay <laughs> was going to create plenty of takes. But uh, above and beyond that, the injury that we've covered to Dak Prescott, uh, which uh, keeps him out, according to multiple reports, as, as long as eight weeks, maybe longer, we'll see, uh, has people questioning what's going to happen next for the uh, Cowboys in this season. This is Stephen A's take on the Cowboys from today on First Take. The season is over. <laughs> I mean, one game in. How many times do I have to say this, Dan Olowski? How many times do I have to say this, playmaker? Just wait. <laughs> Don't wait to be patient. It's coming. The only bad part about all of this is that I like a little suspense. I mean, this is television. I'm looking for theater. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not thinking that, you know, week one, I mean, damn, the die has been cast and it's over. But what other decision are we to come to? Mm. Good take this, or hot is take a, this is a tough one because normally I would say it's week one, Stephen A, and we know how you feel about the Cowboys. You strutted in like a... Uh, well, shoot, all the examples I was going to use are not great people. I was like, LeVar, <laughs> never mind. All right, uh, McMahon, oop, never mind. Uh, okay, Connor, nope, not him either. I guess anyone who strolls in like that is a bad dude. I guess I should stop using that example. Uh, anyway, he puffed his chest down and got real excited about walking into the show today with the Cowboys struggling, so it's hard not to feel like there's a bias, but that's a good take. Fitz, this is probably over. This was a team that was maybe going to be able to beat out the Eagles for the division, but most people favored Philadelphia, and now six to eight weeks without Dak, 
you could get real far behind in that time, and I don't see a lot of good options out there for them to get uh, at a quarterback position week one of the season. Yeah, I think that's a big part of the reason that I agree this is a good take. And it's a good take because he's going to be out long enough for them to need another answer at quarterback. But there aren't other answers that are going to be easily attainable. And he's not out so long that you feel like you need to mortgage your future to bring somebody in. So the Cowboys are sort of stuck here. And for a team that's already got a fair share of issues, I I think this turns out to be the thing that ruins their season, which is unfortunate because I I believe I took them to be a playoff team. So that's Mm going to come back uh, to haunt me in the end. By the way, update on Monday Night Football. We have a touchdown pass for Geno Smith. He's now 4 for 4, 71 yards, one touchdown, one drive into the game. The Seahawks up on the Broncos, 7 to nothing. All right, so all of these conversations about the Cowboys lead to another take. Todd Archer, ESPN Cowboys reporter, said this on Barton Hahn about their future coaching situation. Forget the Sean Payton thing. That's not happening. Everybody wants to connect those dots. I've been told that that ship has sailed here from the Cowboys' perspective, that that is not something that is on their radar. The first guy you mentioned, wow. Dan Quinn, I think if you had to do a uh, ESPN FPI on this thing, Dan Quinn would be the guy with the greatest odds of being the head coach. Wow. Taking that as a good take or a hot take? game in. One game (laughs) in, his starting quarterback is out for six to eight weeks, and we are already looking to replace McCarthy. I'm not surprised. Um, I do think it's more likely that with Quinn already in the building, that's where they go. For all the conversation about Peyton leaving the Saints because he had his eye on this job, if that's the reporting that he has, and if if that's what he's saying with his intel, I'm going to have to believe him and say that Peyton's not headed to the Cowboys anytime soon. He good. Yeah, and, and this makes sense to be a good take, uh, so I'll, I'll go with it as a good take. I also think, though, to your point, Sarah, this sort of the injury ends, in my mind, the concept of an in-season coaching change, which was already a debate of whether or not Jerry yeah. Jones would go that direction. What What's the point if you're fighting through with the backup quarterback? Right. So. Uh, you know, I wonder what that means for Sean Payton and the conversation, because let's be real, that conversation won't be taking place until next year at this point. We'll have to get through this season. There's so many takes. We need to get more time for more of them. So we'll continue. Good take, hot take next. Spain and Fitz hanging out with you on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's the Monday after the first Sunday of NFL football, so you know the takes are coming fast and furious. Did we already do a good take hot take segment tonight? Yes, we did. Are we going to do another? You bet your bottom dollar is a way of saying what I was going to say on a Disney channel. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. What do you think bet your bottom dollar is? Oh, I guess it probably means like the last dollar you have. Yeah, no, yeah, the last like the dollar in your bottom pocket. Dollar at, at the your bottom of your pocket. Yeah. And so, like, that's how much you believe in it, that you're like, I'm going to put yeah. my last money on this. All right, you know something about that based on your betting. <laughs> it's not going well, Sarah. It is not going well. Speaking of which, by the way, check out my new article tomorrow about uh, mm. the chaos that was the weekend for all of us that uh, watched our money just go sliding away from Fitzy. us. It'll be tomorrow on the dot com. Fitzy, you're <clears throat> writing stories? Yeah, you know what? Uh, oh, my boy's all grown up. Instead, of, it's a it's sort of a bad beat meets just the chaos and agony of winning and losing through the process of the weekend uh, retelling of the college football and NFL moments. And awesome. we got a little grading scale to get everybody you know, kind of ready it. for. Yeah. Right. What would you say you're better at, uh, writing or reading? 
Well, look, uh, <laughs> definitely writing, but I, it took me about three seconds to start hitting people up and saying, hey, there's an editor somewhere here that's going to make sure I'm using the correct grammar. Because like, I, I know it. working with you, like, you'll, oh, you you'll let me know if, I, if I, I do it. into instead <laughs> yes. of into. Like, I know, oh, yeah. I know this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I really hope you get apart and apart. Because you know what? They're very different. One yeah, is the, you're now that going I to do be know. That away from, and the other is you're going to be a part of. Okay, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We will edit live on air tomorrow Fitz's article. So go check it out <laughs> on .com before I take the red pen to it. Uh, let's get into our second segment of Good Take, Hot Take. Boom! Hot Take! Hot Take! It's time to rate the takes of the day. Are they good takes? The season is over. <laughs> I mean, one game in. Or hot takes. This is why I called out and said Kirk Cousins is going to be the MVP. It's good take, hot take on Spain and Fitz. Stephen A. sound like a Disney villain there somehow with the hula. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sounded a little uh, like an evil villain. Uh, Mike Greenberg, not an evil villain, but let's see if he was giving evil takes here when he was talking about the Bears-Niners game. Here's Greeny. The 49ers are saying, you know, Trey Lance has basically thrown five passes since high school. And Justin Fields out there by himself is fighting like crazy and finding ways to win a game yesterday in a monsoon. I still don't think the Bears are going to be any good this year, but Justin Fields is a good player. In the right circumstance, you put Justin Fields where Trey Lance is right now, we wouldn't be having this conversation. They got it wrong, and the entire league, they get this. This frustrates me no end. These quote-unquote geniuses who evaluate talent in the NFL, and they talk themselves out of the right decision all the time. All right, Fitz, good take or hot take? That's a hot take, and... An unnecessary hot take at this point, too. Like, why even put the risk out there when it comes to Trey Lance? We don't know anything yet. And that's, like, the only real take on Trey Lance is, as I always say, my favorite phrase, Mike could. Like, it is too early in this mm-hmm. run to know if Trey Lance is going to turn out to be good, bad, or somewhere in between. And uh, I'm not also going to take one game from Justin Fields, as, as positive as it was, and turn that into how did you miss him in the draft? Like, th- this is – we need to relax a little bit on the quarterback take here. Yeah, I think he had it right in the very first thing he said, which was Trey Lance has so few starts. That's not just pros, but college. This is a hot take. Not only is it game one of this guy's starting career with the Niners, it was a monsoon. This game could not be used to predict anything going forward. There was some stuff I saw from Justin Fields I liked. This was also a game where he got most of his yards on a completely broken play that he escaped out of and threw all the way across the field to a wide-open guy as people were literally swimming on the field. I'm excited about the win for what it was, but I'm not taking anything from Trey Lance just yet. That is way too fiery. All right, Dan Orlovsky, speaking of fiery, he often gives us some good hot takes. He was on First Take Talk about the Packers. I was more disappointed with the defense yesterday than I was with the performance of their offense. I know there's going to be bumps along the road. This defense, this is supposed to be a unit that's top five in the NFL. In the NFL. They drafted 400 dudes in the first round on defense with all those picks that they got. Uh, My expectation is not that this offense was going to look like it has been in the past two years. They didn't have integral parts of it that will be coming once they get healthy. I was more disappointed that the defense made it look so easy for Justin Jefferson so often because if this team is a bona fide Super Bowl contender, it will be because the top five off top five defense and its run game. All right, good take or hot take. 
So you know I'm all in on the Vikings and not on the Packers, but I still think this is a hot take. R E L A X. Exactly. Aaron. Uh, I, I think one thing that we got to remind everybody here is that the Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell, like we don't know anything about what he's going to look like as a play caller. And this is the same thing I said about play calling uh, for the for the Bills going into that Thursday night game. When you're taking on an opponent that all you can do is scout who they were as an offensive coordinator and hope that you have a concept of who they are on tape, I think that makes the job a lot more difficult. Do the Packers have their fair share of issues? Yeah. Is that something that's going to normalize over the course of the first month of the season? I believe so. Like I think we're understating some of the advantages that Minnesota had coming into that game and overstating the chaos for the Packers. They'll get it worked out, and they're still going to be a pretty good football team. Yeah, I mean, I admit I agree with him in some ways, so I think it's a good take in the sense of I was disappointed in their defense. They should be a fantastic defense. Getting back to Zaire Alexander is huge. Uh, Stumbling into getting Russell Douglas last year, you should be able to do a lot. Great safeties. Might actually be like the best DB group in the league, and to see what happened to them against JJ is shocking. Um, But it's not just the defense, so it's a little hot in the sense that you still got to take a look at what happened between Aaron Rodgers and receivers and have some question marks. Uh, So I'm going to go lukewarm on that one. Neither good nor hot. A little bit of both. And we just need some time on this Packers team to get the real takes out. All right. We're doing good take, hot take here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Michael Irvin, spicy with it. The Hall of Famer was on first take talking about those Vikings. Justin Jefferson, he wanted to prove it to everybody. Say by the end of this year, I will be the best receiver in the NFL. He wants to prove it. And he started out by proving it. And let me drop this last little nugget on y'all. <laughs> He's proving it for me. This is why I called out and said Kirk Cousins is going to be the MVP. Okay. So, first of all, this sounds more like he's covering his butt on a previous definite hot take that we've featured right here on this show where he said that the MVP was going to be Cousins. And now he's like, yeah, see, here's what I was talking about. Is this a good take or hot take? No, this is a hot take. And, by the way, I'm now forever when I order chicken nuggets from anywhere I'm going to order chicken Nuggets, because the way Michael Irvin says that is just an inspiration (laughs) for all of us. Uh, Look, Justin Jefferson is absolutely, he's an incredible player. I'm not taking anything away from that. But after one week, I'm not going to sit here and see that he's going to break all the records and Kirk Cousins is going to be the MVP. Like, as much as I just mentioned the the, uh, advantage they had with play calling and the lack of tape on what they were going to do, I, I think that the Vikings are going to be a very good team, but they are nowhere near. Uh, Kirk Cousins isn't even going to be in the same category this year as the Josh Allens and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herberts of the world, nonetheless an MVP. So this is definitely blowing all of this up with Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. Yeah, this is a hot take. Uh, I feel very excited about Justin Jefferson. Not excited enough to say he will break all of the records and that Kirk Cousins will be the MVP. Again, like I said earlier, Kirk Cousins against teams that have schemed against what they've seen early on in the season. When it comes to meeting later in the year, that's when I get to see what he really has. And uh, this game was just one little piece of that. All right, Dan Orlovsky's back. He was on Get Up this time. <laughs> not too worried about Joe Burrow and them Bengals. The reason I'm not concerned about Joe Burrow is because he played his worst game ever doing something that he does best, his worst, and that's seeing the field. That's not the Joe Burrow that I have seen for the first two years yeah. of his NFL career. That's the Joe Burrow that 
really hasn't played football in like eight there months because of the offseason and then because of the hospital exactly. time with the appendicitis. Joe Burrow is going to fix that from week one to week two. I am absolutely not concerned with Joe Burrow. Okay. I am concerned with those tackles. I actually think this is a good take. Uh, I am not worried about Joe Burrow at all. I'm worried that they beefed up that offensive line and it still didn't look very good. And I mostly think that I agree with him that he just needs to get settled in because there were definitely some throws, including that very first one, that just didn't look like Joe Burrow. He's great at reading defenses and he wasn't then. Uh, So just some time, just that thing we keep talking about, preseason reps, not getting them. Yeah, 100% agree. Everything you just said, I'll double down on. This is a good take by Dan Orlowski. All right. We uh, we have one left. Should we do it? Should we push for it? Should we get it in? Yeah, we should get it in. It's All right. Max to... Kellerman from KJ and Max got a big prediction for Saquon Barkley. I told you Aaron Judge was going to hit 60 home runs this year. People said I was crazy. He's on pace. If Saquon stays healthy, here comes an outrageous prediction. Ready? 2,500 all-purpose yards. They don't have a very good quarterback, but he's better than what Saquon had. They've improved the offensive line. He could have 2,500 all-purpose yards this season. Woo, okay. He said it was outrageous, was it? Yeah, that's an outrageously hot take. He's gonna, he, he could be great and still not put up anywhere near that number. My God, let's just dial it back a little bit. I want Saquon to be great, but 2,500 all-purpose, whew, that's asking too much. I mean, he did say it was outrageous, so I respect him for, you know, arguing that. I will say this much. He had 313 yards. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. I was going to say, holy cow, that, that that was a bigger game than I expected. I'm, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I was like, he might be able to do it if he keeps that up. Uh, no, this is, <laughs> this is me reading the internet wrong. Uh, hat tips to Gots. I think that's an outrageously hot take, uh, mainly because he'd have to be healthy. 190 total yards is the number I was looking for. Thank you very much, Devin. Uh, still a little bit too hot for my liking after week one. You could be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Tweet us at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. ESPN Nation's presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. We'll update you on Monday Night Football, get you through some Sunday fun day moments of the NFL yesterday. Coming up next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on the biggest overreaction Monday of the year. Maybe only NFL draft night is when you hear more predictions, takes, reactions that people regret later. We're keeping it pretty logical over here. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We've got a Monday night football game going on. Seahawks are up 7-3 to three behind a Geno Smith touchdown. Broncos currently driving at the end of the first quarter. Really good start for Geno Fitz. I mean, if you want to get out behind the shadow of the man who's facing you uh, in that Broncos uniform and Russell Wilson, starting 4-4 four for four or whatever it was with the touchdown of that first drive is pretty good. Yeah, and the, the replay that everybody's going to be showing for that first touchdown pass was a really nice job by Geno of evading, uh, escaping the rush, uh, moving up in the pocket, finding the open guy. Like, it's just, this is a really strong start for Geno Smith, somebody that, you know, can play loose and free because there are basically no expectations on him for most of the popular world just looking around. And all of a sudden I'm looking at Geno thinking, at this point he's 7-7, 89 yards and a touchdown. Not bad. Yeah. I He's one of those people that I root for. I think anybody who's got a raw deal like Geno with the punch or what's the guy's name? I.K. and Impale. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, Did I, don't I just re- pull that out of somewhere in the back of my brain. I don't remember. Uh, I, but I, I, you know. I, 
I, I think it was like IK and you got it right. You got it right. Like that. Yeah. Uh, remember that punch before he was set to start? And same with someone like Terod Taylor, who has the the thing that goes wrong with the team trainer in the in the injection. And he, anytime there's a player who doesn't lose a job of his own merit, I I feel for him and I root for him. So I'm rooting for Gino to have a real shot at it here with the Seahawks and starting out seven of seven for 89 yards and a touchdown ain't too bad. We'll keep you updated on that. We also wanted to get into some Sunday fun day NFL stats from yesterday. Some of the things that maybe aren't top of the news heap, but had us either laughing or smiling. Uh, One of which was the stat that no AFC South team won and two played each other. (laughs) <laughs> How does that happen? Well, of course, the tie, but not a, not a tremendous start for that division. Yeah, and look, I mean, you could go across the board and say uh, that the Titans blowing the the lead to the the Giants was shocking. Also, that the Titans just didn't seem to have an idea of what they were trying to do in mm. their passing game. Uh, that that was shocking to me. But I don't know that I saw much on Sunday that was wilder than the, just the concept of a Colts team that so many people are hot on trailing 20 to three you dig your way back into it you go to overtime and then lovey smith i think smartly at the end of overtime plays for the tie on fourth and seven from you know around midfield he realizes hey there's less than a minute left i don't want to lose our opportunity to win the game so they just punt the ball and all of a sudden you end up with the tie it feels like feels gross to everybody but i think it was the right thing to do in that moment but still not a great representation of the division being strong yeah, you mentioned the Titans. I was surprised by that Giants effort. I don't think they're going to be a good team. But how refreshing for Giants fans to maybe feel good about the new regime. Brian Dayball, or as I call him, Day Balls of Steel, after that going for two. Uh, yeah, to me, that, that uh, certainly makes me rethink at least how things could go for them this year. Saquon has an awesome game. And maybe there's a little more hope for Giants fans than I expected. Yeah, well, and Devin, our producer extraordinaire, can speak to the angst the Giants fans typically feel, but you're 1,000% right. Like, if you're a Giants fan, you walk out of week one and you say, hey, maybe we can be a little bit more competitive, and that's all you need right now. It's just You yeah. just don't want to feel like your season's lost. I hope the Colts fix things against Jacksonville next Sunday. That is a perfect opportunity for them to get back on track. There are a lot of expectations for that team, and a tie with the Texans was not what folks expected. Uh, Speaking of not expected, or unexpected, I should say, uh, Washington Commanders get the win. It should be all celebration, except for they had their first leak inside the stadium. I don't even think it was raining. It might have been, but not enough that they should already have the concourse, have a giant taped off area for fans not to walk through because they've got buckets for a leak. But also outside the stadium, and I'm not blaming this on the team. I don't think there's any evidence that the team was involved in this, but somebody associated with the team in some way, even if it's just a vendor who's a fan, had cups, mugs, with the Washington Commanders logo over an outline of Washington State. Now, this is a problem, C-Fitz, because they don't play in Washington State. They play in Washington, D.C. <laughs> I mean, and you got to know that, right? Like, if you're out there selling the, the gear... I would hope outside, so. I would think that you'd have a pretty good idea of at least where you are in the country. Like, <laughs> it is always interesting when you, you see people that haven't traveled much and may not know sort of the layout, and you try and get them to figure out what state is what. And, like, I understand why some people get a little confused if you've never uh, really spent a lot of time in, you know, the Montana area trying to figure out which is which. Or if you've never spent a lot of time in New England, some people get confused which is which. But Washington State to Washington, D. 
D.C. to our nation's capital, it mm. seems like that should be at least kind of on the forefront of most people's minds. I don't know. Oh, no. I've just received an update. It was an official team store. Now, it was a truck outside the stadium, not inside. That said, it was an official commander's team truck that offered the items for sale. Once someone posted a photo, the team sent someone out to pull them. So they disappeared from purchasing ability. But allegedly, according to SI.com, the league's official online merchandise store sold license plates with the old logo against the Washington State backdrop a few years ago. And they didn't learn. What are we doing? I, I truly do we do? don't understand the kind of inept. I mean, that is unbelievable. That like is you unreal. Can't, you can't fix stupid. Like, that's I just mean, a, like, there's, oh my there's God. too many people involved in this, in the decision making. Too many people oh had God. to look at that and say, oh, yeah. that's okay. I don't get the it. The list of commanders and Washington franchise related offenses, both small and large, is longer than that Cowboys or that Browns jersey with all the quarterbacks' names at this point. And that's a really thousand something. Percent. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, new coaches in the NFL, 5 2 and 1 yesterday. That was a great stat. Exciting for those guys to get the first one under their belt week one. And then if you saw the photos and videos from Miami, the Dolphins Pats game. Not only did the Pats blow up in terms of their product on the field, but cars in the tailgating lot next to a grill that somebody accidentally left on. Thankfully, no one was injured. It happened during the game. But at least four cars completely totaled by the exploding grill. Yeah, I can't imagine coming out after the game and realizing that your car's just gone. It's just gone. destroyed. I, I mean, just just, I, I can't even figure it out. It looked like movie sets where they have an explosion. If you haven't seen the photos and videos, it looked like either an Allstate commercial, like we know what to do because we've seen it before or whatever, or mayhem. It looked like the mayhem ads. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.